All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good. Um, if I don't know you yet, my name is Graham. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance. And uh, I hope you have all enjoyed your Christmas and were able to, to reflect on the coming of our Savior during this time. Um, I'm really glad to be with you guys here today. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to dive into God's Word and see what it has for us today. Um, if you're joining us here online, I want to say welcome. And uh, I'd invite you to, to say hi in the comments. Um, I was watching on the computer. No one said what their favorite gift was to give, so you could do that again. Um, but yeah, let us know you're here, and uh, we're glad that you can join us. Um, today, we are diving back into our series called Basics, right? So we started this series before Christmas, and uh, we took a break for the month of December as we were in our Advent series. But now again, as I said, we're, we're jumping back into this series called Basics, um, and so I'll give you a bit of a reminder of what this series is about. So in this series, we're exploring some of the fundamentals of Christianity and about the Christian faith and how it impacts our lives. And uh, the, the main thing that we see throughout this series is that our belief about God, our beliefs about God and His creation will determine the way that we live. So our beliefs about God and His creation will determine the way that we live. I'm going to begin by sharing a bit of a story with you guys. Um, first, I'm going to ask a question. Has anyone heard the name John Chow before? No. It's not, you probably don't know his name, but you may have actually heard his story. So John, uh, his story became pretty well known in November of 2018 um, as people began to hear about his story and how he shared his faith. So John, um, I'm going to tell a little bit about him. John, he grew up in the United States, and he traveled to India, um, and he was, he was trying to share the gospel with a remote tribe on an island called North Sentinel Island. So this island, it's home to a small tribe of people called the Sentinelese, uh, and in the past, they were, they were kind of known for being hostile towards outsiders. Um, but John, John, he believed that he was called by God to go to them and share the gospel, and so he, he arranged for some fishermen in that neighborhood or in, in that area to, to uh, take him to this island, and he was going to share the gospel with them. So um, he makes his plans. Uh, when, he get, when he gets there, though, the, the fishermen that, that took him there, uh, they, they kind of docked nearby the island, but they didn't go all the way in. Uh, so they they kind of refused because of the, the known danger. And so John, he's like... He's, he's like, I'm going to go by myself. So um, on his first attempt, he, t he paddles towards this island on a kayak, and he noticed some of the, the Sentinelese, Sentinelese people. And uh, as he's like kayaking up, he yells to them. He says, he says, my name is John. He says, I love you, and Jesus loves you. And uh, so I think he, he gets onto the island, and he kind of approaches them. And uh, these people, they start to like string up their bow and arrows. And he panics, and he takes some of his fish that he has, and he kind of like throws it towards them, and he runs away. And uh, so he, he kind of had an unsuccessful attempt the first time. That same day, he makes another attempt. And he, he goes again. He, he brings more gifts towards them. And uh, as he approaches this time, he hears them speaking their language. And so he kind of tries to like mimic their words back at them. Um, the people, they hear it, and they, like, begin laughing. And uh, 
So it seems like for a while that they're, they're tolerating his presence and, uh, and they're tolerating him, him being there. And so he begins to sing worship songs to them, and he even preaches to them from the book of Genesis. Um, and everything seemed to be going okay until um, one, of the, one of the boys in this island, he shoots an arrow at him. And the arrow, uh, like it hits the Bible that, that John is holding, and it actually, like, the Bible basically saves his life in that situation. Um, so John, he's, he's scared. He removes the arrow from the Bible. He gives it back to the boy. And again, he, like, retreats off the island. And so he decides to make one last attempt to, uh, to go to this island the next day. And before he, do, he does this, though, he writes this in his, in his diary. He writes this to his family and friends. He says, you guys might think I'm crazy in all this, he says, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. And so he returns to the island the next day, um, and as he approaches, he doesn't even get to the island before he's shot um, by, uh, by these bow and arrows, and he ends up dying. And so the people, they take uh, his body and they bury it on the beach. I remember this being like a really big news story at the time. Um, it was the 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 government was the U.S. government was like trying to re retrieve his body, and they weren't able to even do that. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was a it was a, a lot of controversy. Um, he went there illegally, and uh, in fact, the people that were that were there, they were kind of because they had no contact for so many years, they were susceptible to getting disease, and so there was a lot of controversy um, about him going there. You saw it from both like secular and the religious. Uh, aside from various degrees, there was, there was pushback about what he did. But on the other hand, there was a lot of people that were saying like what he did was very noble and that he was a martyr. And uh, anyway, but whatever you think about this, his strategy, what we can't deny is that he was very bold in his faith, right? Uh, he truly believed that no matter what, no matter what happened to him, that God was in control. And so I share that because it's a little bit about what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about what the Bible says about God's sovereignty and how do our lives look because of it. And uh, um, so when we talk about God's sovereignty, what we're basically talking about is what is God in control of or what does he rule? Um, if you want the short answer to this, uh, I'll say this. God is, is, is sovereign over absolutely everything. Right? God has control of literally everything. So you can go home now. That's about all we have. Um, no, uh, but really that's, that, that is the truth, that God rules everything. And so today we're going to look at how our belief in God's sovereignty will impact how we share our faith. Um, so the main thing that I want to see from our text is that believing that God is sovereign will propel us to share the gospel. Believing that God is sovereign will propel us to share the gospel. I want to unpack what that really means for us and, and, and look at what it practically means for us on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I want us to explore that kind of in two different categories. So here's what I want us to see, um, the, the, the two categories from our text. So God is sovereign over the physical world and God is sovereign over the spiritual world. God is sovereign over both the spiritual and the physical world. Uh, before we look at our text, though, um, I'm going to give us some context of what we're, we're, we're talking about here. So the passage that Wayne read for us today is in the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. 
At the beginning of the chapter, Jesus, he appoints his 12 disciples, and then he begins to send them out before him. And uh, he tells them that to, to begin to share that the kingdom of God is at hand. And so their, their mission is that they're being sent out to share the, the news that Jesus is coming. Then before, after that, Jesus gives them this warning, right? He says in verse 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And then he says, he said that they will be delivered over to the courts and they'll be flogged in the synagogues. And so he's basically telling them, he's like, this is not going to be easy. Right? You, you will be persecuted. The message that you are sharing will be rejected by many people. And because of this message, you will be persecuted. And, and so he, he tells them about the dangers that they're heading into. And so our text for today, it comes within this warning, right? And it's perhaps the encouragement and the comfort to look for um, when being bold in sharing our faith and being bold amidst the dangers that Jesus has warned about here. And that encouragement is that God is sovereign over absolutely everything. He rules over both the physical world and over the spiritual world. Um, let's look at our first point here. God is sovereign over the physical world. This is what we see, that in, in the midst of our trials and persecution, that God is in control over all of that. He's in control over everything from the biggest aspects that we can't comprehend to the littlest of details in absolutely everything. And so I want us to look at verse 29 for this. This is what Jesus says. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your, from your father. In other words, this is what he's saying. He's saying sparrows, um, they're, they're sold for a penny. Or what a, what a penny would be worth in that time. I don't think they had pennies then. Um, basically what that means, they're insignificant when it comes to value, right? If you think of what you can buy for a penny these days, it's not very much, right? In fact, you can't even get a penny for a penny these days because it costs more than a penny to make a penny. And that's why we don't have pennies anymore. Um, but what's the, what's the point here? Is that God cares about what we would deem the most insignificant things. He says, not even a sparrow fall to the ground uh, apart from the Father. You know, the, the wind doesn't blow if God doesn't say it to. A blade of grass doesn't move without God allowing it to. God is control even over the tiniest things, and so how much more is he in control over our lives? Right? He says, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. And if you're like me, I wish he would count a little higher sometimes, if you know what I mean. Um, again, what's the point? Is that even the, the small things like the number of your hair uh, on your head, is, is God is in control of that, right? He's, he's in control over the smallest things in our lives. And, and if God can number the, the hairs on your head, then he is certainly in control of the bigger things in your life. And the picture that we get here is a God who is in control over absolutely everything, from the tiniest detail to the situations that we would deem out of control. And so Jesus is telling us, he's saying, do not fear sharing your faith. He's saying, yes, there will be persecution, but I am in control over every situation. All right? And 
We talk about persecution. I know that for many of us here, we probably haven't faced persecution like many of other Christians around the world. And yet, I know at the same time, there are some of us here who have. And so how do we navigate this conversation around persecution here in the Western world where, you know, we may not face physical harm for sharing our faith? Um, first, I want us to see that although we may not face physical harm for sharing our faith, it doesn't mean that we are not going to be rejected. And it doesn't mean that it's not, it's not hard for us and difficult for us to share our faith. Um, I remember when I first heard the story of, of John Chow, the, the missionary that went to the Sentinelese people, um, I heard a lot of backlash from people about what he did, right? Many people even excused, like, the murderers of John Chow. They they called John, they were calling him like an idiot and delusional for going to share his faith. And really what they were doing was they were defending the right of these people to be left alone rather than the life of this guy to live, the, the right of this guy to live. And so lest we think that we're that far away from, from being persecuted here in the West, it's clear that that same type of attitude of rejection and, and persecution, it exists in our day as it did in Jesus's. And so you may not face physical persecution in your life, and maybe you will, but here, here may be the attitude that we hear more commonly in our context. Here's, here's what we're probably more likely to hear. Your faith is, is yours to do in the privacy of your home, but I don't want to hear it. Right? You're free to do what you, you're free to believe what you want to believe, but keep it to yourself. No one else wants to hear about it. And this is the attitude that, that we are prone to fear from others, and, and many times it keeps us from sharing the gospel. Uh, I remember telling a, a classmate of mine, I was in, in class at Concordia here, and uh, I was talking to, to a friend of mine, and I, I was telling him, like, I was like, yeah, I'm a pastor, and I was telling him a little bit about my family. I mentioned I had a daughter, and he, he said to me, truly with his best intentions, he said, you're not going to teach to her what you believe, though, right? Like, you're going to let her choose? And uh, I was caught a little bit off guard. But I, was, I was like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to let, like, her choose. Ultimately, that's her decision to choose. But I am going to teach her what I believe because I truly believe it to be true. And I, I, and I will tell her that, that because I believe that Jesus has died for her sins and she can be forgiven through faith in him. Um, but this is, this is the attitude that will, will keep us, will, will try to keep us from sharing the gospel, right? Keep it to yourself. No one wants to hear it. They're going to make fun of you for what you believe. And yet Jesus is clear that we have nothing to fear because God is sovereign. Our passage uh, begins with these words, uh, with Jesus' words here. He says, so have no fear of them, right? In fact, twice more in these eight verses, Jesus tells them, do not fear. And this is the message that Jesus is, is telling us. Do not fear what the world thinks about sharing your faith. God is in control. He says in, in verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Those are strong words because if you really think about it, essentially what he's saying is do not fear. The worst that they can do is kill you. Right? And that, that may not seem very comforting, um, you know, but um, 
There, here's something to know. This is not coming from Graham, the pastor who has faced relatively little persecution in his life. This is coming from Jesus who faced persecution and death. And he knew that he was going to go through this. He knew that the message of good news would be rejected and that he would die in, in, in order to spread this message. And yet his hope and faith was in the will of God. And the following sentence, what he says after, it makes it, it clear that our hope needs to be on eternity. He says, rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So don't just worry about your body, worry about your body and your soul. And that's a heart that's set on eternity, eternity with either the peace of God or an eternity with the wrath of God. And so when we talk about, about fear, you know, we may not have like this trembling fear uh, for our lives. That might not, not be the kind of fear that we have, but we are susceptible to fear, uh, to a fear of obeying what we respect. So in other words, um, if we fear man, uh, we will obey the attitude that says, keep your faith to yourself. Right? But if we fear God, we will obey him when he says, trust me, I am sovereign over every situation. You can share your faith without fear. Because believing that God is sovereign will propel us to share the gospel. So God, God is sovereign over the physical world. Next, what we see is God is sovereign over the spiritual world. Right? This seems like an easy statement to affirm to, right? I would be surprised if people would push back on this. Um, and yet again, at the same time, I think many of us have been taught certain theology that would contradict this. And so here's what I mean. Um, there's, there are certain ideas and phrases that we hear about the spiritual world, about angels and demons and, and all that, that become common for us to believe, but they're actually not biblical. Um, they're not from Scripture. And so I want to look at, at a couple of misconceptions that we may have heard about God's sovereignty uh, over the spiritual world and what Scripture actually has to say about that. So, misconception number one, Satan is in control of hell, right? So, um, I recently watched, uh, I was watching this show, on uh, a popular show on Netflix, and in the opening credits, it started by saying this, it said, in the beginning, the angel Lucifer was cast out of heaven, and he was condemned to rule hell for eternity, right? That is simply not true. Satan is not in control of hell, right? God is sovereign over the whole spiritual world, including hell. This is what our passage says. It says in verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Another account of this in, in the Gospel of Luke, it says it this way. It says, Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. So this passage isn't talking about Satan. It's talking about God. Right? Satan is not in control of hell. God is. Right? On the cross, Jesus faced the wrath of God for the world, and forgiveness for your sin is offered to all who will put their faith in him. But if you do not accept that forgiveness, then what's waiting for you is not, is in, his, in eternity is not the peace of, of God, but his righteous wrath. So hell is not where Satan rules, but it's where God rules. Um, but it is where God rules by his judgment for those who will not accept his forgiveness. 
This is from uh, Revelation 1. It's speaking about Jesus. It says this. It says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. It says, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades. Right? Jesus defeated death by sinlessly dying on the cross and raising to life again. And so he rules over all the spiritual world, including hell. Jesus holds the keys to death and Hades. Hell is where Satan is punished, not where he rules. Right? There is nowhere where God doesn't rule, but it is whether he rules by his righteous judgment or by his peace. Second misconception. Good and evil are two opposite but equal forces. Right? Good and evil are, are two opposite but equal forces. And, and the idea here is that there's like this constant battle between God and Satan, and we're kind of like somehow caught up in the middle of it, just kind of waiting to see who's ultimately going to win. Um, kind of like th this yin and, yin and yang thing, both good and evil are necessary but opposing forces. Again, uh, this has major implications into God's sovereignty and is contrary to what we see in Scripture. Right? What we see from Scripture is that God is creator and everything else is creation, meaning that everything exists, including humans, angels, and demons, and the world around us, is all subject to the rule of God. Um, this is, again, speaking about Jesus in, in Colossians 1. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things, visible and invisible. That means from humans to everything in the spiritual world. These things are creatures, and God is creator. And creation has no authority over its creator. And so we see that, both, that, that God is both sovereign over the physical world and the spiritual world, and one of the best places that we see this demonstrated is in salvation, right? Because looking at the life of Jesus, we see his power over both the physical and the spiritual world. We see that in his life, Jesus faced rejection for bringing the good news that he was the Christ. We see that this led the religious leaders to arrest him in order to take his life from him. And he was after he was arrested, they beat him and they mocked him and they led him to, uh, to death on a cross. And so Jesus, he faced physical persecution and death on this earth while God allowed it. And he, when he died on the cross, he also faced the spiritual wrath of God for our sins. Sins that he did not commit, right? But that he faced, but he faced the punishment for them by facing the wrath of God. And on the cross, it appeared that Jesus was defeated both physically and spiritually. The relig religious leaders and the devil thought that they had won, right? And yet three days later, God raised him from the dead, proving that Jesus reigns over everything physical and spiritual, including death. Jesus rules over absolutely everything because he defeated the power of your sin. And if you put your faith in him, 
then the same spirit that raised him from the dead is living in you to empower you to defeat your sin. And that same spirit empowers you not to fear, but to be bold in sharing the good news of Jesus with people. It empowers us to share even in the midst of persecution because the worst that they can do is kill you. And if you're here and you're a Christian, the truth is that we need to be reminding ourselves about this every day. Right? Squash your fears by trusting in the sovereignty of God. Remind yourself that God is bigger than your enemies. Remind yourself that God is bigger than your fears. God is bigger than COVID. God is bigger than the government. God is bigger than poverty. God is bigger than what anyone thinks of you. Right? God is bigger than death. God is in control over all of these things. There isn't anything in this world, physical or spiritual, that God is not sovereign over. And so God calls you to trust in him. Do not fear and boldly share the hope that you have in Jesus. Because believing in, that God is sovereign will propel you to share the gospel. And if you are here and you are not a Christian, um, I want to ask you this. If, if God is in control of everything, how would that change your life? Right? If God is sovereign over even death and hell, then how does that change the way that you think about eternity? What are, are frustrations that you have in your life that you face that could be handed over to a sovereign God? Because if God is sovereign over everything, that means that your life is in his hands whether you like it or not. And that is good news if you will accept his forgiveness. And it is not such good news if you will not. Um, but believe that Jesus has done enough on your behalf and you will spend an eternity with the peace of God. I'll close with this. Uh, when it comes to sharing the gospel and sharing the, the hope that you have in Jesus, what are you afraid of? Right? Are you afraid of rejection? Are you afraid of looking dumb? Are you afraid of losing friendships? Maybe you're afraid of actual persecution. Maybe you're afraid of physical harm. I want to, you to remind yourself today that God is bigger than all of that. Right? He is sovereign over, he's sovereign over everything. He's in control of the smallest details to the biggest aspects that we can't even fathom. And so you have nothing to fear. This is from 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 to 8. It says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Right? The worst that they can do is kill you, and Jesus overcame that already. Right? So put your faith in him and in his power that will propel you to share the gospel. Let's pray.